Bishop Earl and I finish up our discussion in part two of Joseph Smith's White Horse Prophecy next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. The last time we presented part one of our two-part series about the controversial white horse prophecy allegedly given by Joseph Smith. The white horse prophecy is a prediction made by Joseph Smith that a future crisis will confront the United States government that will begin to fall apart. The Constitution uh, will be totally without support except for one tiny thread, and that thread is the LDS Church called the white horse. But according to Mormon polygamists, the white horse represents their polygamy group. Now, we finished last time at the discussion of the, the white horse phrase being taken from the portion of the book of Revelation that you find in the Bible, often referred to as the four horses of the apocalypse. Right. And so for comparison's sake, we want to look at those four horses from the book of Revelation so that you can see what we mean. And so we quote from Revelation chapter 6. Yeah, verses 2 through 8. I looked and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. When the Lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make men slay each other. To him was given a large sword. When the Lamb opened the third seal, I heard the li third living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. When the Lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. There were, they were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. Now, compared to what we read last time about what those four horses represented, this is totally different, isn't yes, it? it is. yeah. uh, and, and we have to notice that the rider of the white horse is the focus, not the horse itself. The rider represents the Antichrist yeah. and his attempt to conquer the world. The red horse represents war, doesn't represent the Lamanites. The black horse represents famine and food shortages, which is usually a natural result of war. And the pale horse doesn't represent white people or the pale faces like they claimed, <laughs> but it represents death, which is also a result of famine and war. Now, if you notice in the whole passage, it is the riders of the horses that's the focus, not the horses at all. And the reason we know the meaning of what this is is because it tells us <laughs> the meaning in the passage. Notice how in Smith's prophecy, his primary focus is the exaltation and future power of the Mormon church, we quote. Yep, continuing, he said, During this time, the great white horse will have gathered strength, sending out elders to get the honest in heart of the United States to stand by the Constitution of the United States as it was given by inspiration of the Lord. 
In these days God will set up a kingdom, never to be thrown down, for other kingdoms to come unto, and these kingdoms that will not let the gospel be preached will be humbled until they will. Okay, now the gospel that he speaks of here consists of all the Mormon commandments, not the biblical gospel of Jesus Christ. The word gospel means good news. The Mormons and the polygamists have mislabeled their teachings because compared to God's gospel of grace, their gospel is not good news in any sense of the term. Now, in this part of the prophecy, he claims that the elders, referring to Mormon elders, will be in charge of setting things right in the country. The kingdom that he says will be set up is the Mormon religion, and he is borrowing quite heavily from the biblical book of Daniel in some of his terminology, but he's twisting it to apply to Mormonism. Now, there's more. (laughs) This is interesting. England, Germany, Norway, Denmark, Sweden, Switzerland, Holland, and Belgium have a considerable amount of the blood of Israel among their people, which must be gathered. These nations will submit to the kingdom of God. England England will do it as a whole. The nobility know the gospel is true, but it is not enough pomp and grandeur and influence for them to embrace it. They are proud and will not acknowledge the kingdom of God or come in unto it until they see the power which it will have. So he points the finger at Great Britain. It's amazing to me that he says this, saying that they know the Mormon gospel is true, but they're too proud because of their pomp. How much pomp did Joseph Smith have? I mean, Uh, he dressed himself up as a general and tried to be present, my goodness. And then (laughs) he states again that there's safety in the Rocky Mountains. Yeah, he quotes this, Peace and safety in the Rocky Mountains will be protected by a cord and band of the white horse and the red horse. So now he's got the two horses here together and that the Rocky Mountains is a center of safety. And this geographical area is a stronghold of Mormonism and many Mormons, whether polygamous or LDS, believe that their safety is more sure if they live here. Yeah, that's true. I've met met a lot of polygamists especially, but some LDS also have told me that they felt that safety. I met a Mormon man one time several years ago. He was from England. And his family had been converted to Mormonism while they lived in England. And later they decided that they wanted to move from England to the Rocky Mountains. Mormonism was presented to them as being so wonderful. And they thought that the capital of the Mormons, Salt Lake City, Utah, would be the best place on the planet to live. And so he and his wife made their plans and they sold everything they had. And they, with their children, migrated to America and to Salt Lake City. And as he was telling me his story, he he was just shaking his head in sorrow and in disbelief. He said it was the worst thing they ever did. It was a disaster. And they deeply regretted coming here, that they were not welcomed here. They were treated like second-class members. He said the religious Mormons here treated them so badly and so arrogantly. They wanted to go back home to England, but they didn't have any money to make another trip and make another finance, another move. So... That's not quite the way it works, is no, it? I've heard other stories like that, too. They come here and think it's going to be so religious and so desirable. and Utopia kind yeah, of like. Uh, right. They come to, come to the Mecca of Mormonism, and no. it just isn't what they it's expect. It's a disaster. In fact, many of them have left the church mm-hmm. because of it. 
Well, the kingdom of God is not polygamy. It is not Mormonism. True. It is not arrogance and wealth and plunder and streets piled high with gold and silver, as Joseph Smith predicted. In Smith's prophecy, he tells of the coming Messiah, that he will come to Zion. And then he proceeds to prophesy that the temple in Jackson County, Missouri, is some far, he's gotten away from the Rocky Mountains there, will be built and that the ten tribes of Israel will come and help them build it. And that's not likely. Jewishness and Mormonism are poles apart and they cannot, <laughs> they mix almost as good as oil and water. Yeah. Anyway, neither one complements the other. And the past Jewish temple and Mormon temples have absolutely no similarities in either construction or purpose. Yeah. Well, we continue. That's quite revealing too. Yeah, power, yeah, it is. Power will be given the white horse to rebuke nations afar off, and they will obey, not that they will be one with the white horse, but when the law goes forth, they will obey, for the law will go forth from Zion. The last great struggle Zion will have to contend with will be when the whole of America will be made the Zion of God. And that's what they want to do. Yeah. Make all of America the Zion of God. Or the white horse is going to um, rescue the country, and rescue yeah. the, the Constitution, and then all of America will be Zion, which of course is Mormonism. So according to their religious philosophy, America displaces Israel in God's future plans, despite God's promises to restore Israel. Now, we're sure that that never can happen because God's word cannot be void. And God has made it very clear in the Bible hundreds of times where Zion is geographically. That is where his temple was built. And he also warns that only one temple in that one location will bear his name. Interesting. And finally, Joseph Smith prophesied this. Those opposing will be called Gog and Magog. The nations of the world led by the Russian czar and their power will be great. But all opposition will be overcome, and this land will, will be then the Zion of our God. Okay, and again, this is a very false, false prophecy. Uh, Joseph Smith draws from the book of Ezekiel in the Bible and the book of Revelation when he uses Gog and Magog. Gog and, Magog yeah. and I find it amusing that he prophesied the Russian czar <laughs> would be in power and have great power, but too bad God didn't tell him that in the early... The 20th century, the Russian czar would actually become extinct, non-existence. Yeah. He would have no power That's at all. True. So where his prophetic powers are is beyond me. This prophecy in its entirety is not officially accepted by the LDS Church, and is, it, it is recognized by polygamy groups as being valid and as being given by Joseph Smith. Um, and obviously many, many early Mormon prophets also validated it by quoting it, even though they deny Joseph Smith gave it. For instance, Brigham Young. Yeah, back in the journal History in 1854, he says, will the Constitution be destroyed? No, it will be held inviolate by this people. And as Joseph Smith said, the time will come when the destiny of this nation will hang upon a single thread. And at this critical juncture, this people will step forth and save it from the threatened destruction. It will be so. Now, he was the second president. He was then also the prophet attributed that to Joseph Smith as having prophesied this. And, and we, so we have to must conclude that he did. And, and Brigham Young said that everything he preached came was, was the words of God, that it was scriptural. That's true. He sure did. And we have another quote of confirmation by Brigham Young. 
Brethren and sisters, our friends wish to know our feelings toward the government. I answer, they are first rate, and we will prove it too, as you will see, if you only live long enough. For that we shall live to prove it is certain. And when the Constitution of the United States hangs, as it were, upon a single thread, they will have to call for the Mormon elders to save it from utter destruction, and they will step forth and do it. So right there, those, just those two quotes from Brigham Young alone shows that he believes that Joseph Smith gave the prophecy and that it was valid. Yeah. He quotes for sure. the words from the prophecy. Yeah. Now, Eliza Snow was a plural wife of both Joseph Smith and Brigham Young. Yeah. And she is one person who ought to know what they both taught, and she said this. Yeah, this is from Desert News in 1870. My sisters, I heard the prophet Joseph Smith say that the time would come when this nation would so far depart from its original purity, its glory and its love for freedom, and its protection of civil rights and religious rights, that the constitution of our country would hang as it were by a thread. He said also that this people, the sons of Zion, would rise up and save the constitution and bear it off triumphantly. Okay, now she, she said, <laughs> Joseph Smith said this. Yeah. Okay, and again, she's quoting the constitution and right. the hanging by a thread and that Zion is going to, uh, to reign through all of this. Orson Hyde, Another. a member of the original 12 Apostles right. of the Mormon Church, said this. Yeah, Journal of Discourses, Volume 6. It is said that Brother Joseph in his lifetime declared that the elders of this church should step forward at a particular time when the Constitution should be in danger and rescue it and save it. This may be so, but I do not recollect that he said it's, it's said exactly so. I believe he said something like this, that the time would come when the Constitution and the country would be in danger of an overthrow. And said he, if the Constitution be saved at all, it will be by the elders of this church. I believe this is about the language as nearly as I can recollect it. So he's getting Similar. a little bit away, but he's still acknowledging yeah. that it was something that was said and, right. and discussed. And then, then he rewords it. And, and that the elders would, if it's going to be saved, the elders will do it. The elders will do it. Yeah. By the way, the elders are young boys, aren't they? They are now, yeah. Well, they, they can be older, but yeah, generally they're generally, age 18 now. Yeah. So. And I, I can't imagine an army of 18-year-olds <laughs> coming in and, and doing that. But the, like you say, in those days, they, elders were older. Probably, older yeah. man. So anyway, you get the picture. Uh, <laughs> many more prominent men in authority of the early and present-day LDS Church have validated Joseph Smith's prophecy, prophecy either by quoting it, quoting from it, or referring to it as having come from Joseph Smith. George Q. Cannon, uh, he was an early member of the Quorum of the Twelve, and he served in the First Presidency, not only confirmed the prophecy, but added a bit of information <laughs> that at the time they could never have dreamed could be or would be proven false, we quote. They just couldn't resist, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> and it will be preserved and saved by the efforts of the white horse and the red horse who will combine in its defense. Joseph Smith here is combining the red horse, or Lamanites, who are generally of the house of Manasseh with the white horse or Ephraimites, the following seven quotations clarify the lineage of the Lamanites or the red horse. And Amminadi was a descendant of Nephi who was the son of Lehi, who came out of the land of Jerusalem, who was a descendant of Manasseh, who was the son of Joseph, who was sold into Egypt 
by the hands of his brethren. Now, it's interesting that they're quoting yeah. this very thing. Um, and and it, it puts them on the spot if they want to uh, face truth. Because DNA science has confirmed <laughs> that the Native Americans are not the Lamanites. They are not. The, now, that's what they've always claimed. Right. The Native Americans were the Lamanites. Uh, and that they came out of the land of Jerusalem. We just read it there from the Book of Mormon, and that they were descendants of uh, the Jewish people going clear back to the Joseph who of Genesis, the Book of Genesis, who was in Egypt. But DNA science has proven that to yeah, be false. It sure has. Well, Joseph Smith patterned many of his prophecies, especially his doomsday warnings after biblical passages. But the trouble is he didn't understand the time frame of the biblical end time events. And very importantly, he put himself and the Mormon church right in the middle of the fulfillment of them. And Joseph Smith did set a date for Jesus's return, a date that proved him to be a false prophet. We quote, from section Doctrine and Covenants, section 130, verses 14 and 15. I was once praying very earnestly to know the time of the coming of the Son of Man, when I heard a voice repeat the following, Joseph, my son, if thou livest until thou art 85 years old, thou shalt see the face of the Son of Man. Wonder what voice that was. I don't know. And and if it was God, wouldn't he? What is? What does he mean? If, <laughs> <laughs> if you live that long, doesn't God know? Oh, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of it that way. <laughs> okay, history. God, God would know. Now, yeah. This is from the History of the Church, it, uh, Volume 2. It's, it was the will of God that those who went to Zion with the determination to lay down their lives, if necessary, should be ordained to the ministry and go forth to prune the vineyard for the last time, or the coming of the Lord, which was nigh. Even 56 years should wind up the scene. Okay, so... <laughs> a little prophecy there. Yeah, another little prophecy there that didn't happen. Yeah. yeah, and now 56 years from the date of the prophecy would have been 1891. Now, we've always said that time is the enemy of every false prophet. That's a good point. Because that proves whether the prophecy they say is true. And what does it say in Deuteronomy? We've said this many times on the show as well, that if a prophet prophesies something that doesn't come to pass, even if the prophet does miracles, but he prophesies something that doesn't happen, he's a false prophet. Ignore him. Yeah. yeah. Let him go. And Joseph had plenty of those. <laughs> and Joseph had plenty. Well, he had over 50. False prophecies. He had over 50 false prophecies. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, now, we've, like we said, Joseph Smith liked to take, make Mormonism the center of his prophecy, but actual center of prophecy is Jesus Christ, the person, and Israel, the nation, yeah. is, the, is the primary center of the end times prophecies. Of course, the whole world is included in many of them, but neither America, nor the Mormons, nor the polygamy groups are ever singled out. They're never mentioned. They're never hinted at or favored in Bible end time prophecies, except in the context of teachers of false doctrine. Now, let's look at some quotes from Mormon speakers and leaders affirming that the White Horse prophecy was very well known and seemingly accepted as prophetic. In a conference in October 1842, J. Reuben Clark said this, You and I have heard all our lives that the time may come when the Constitution may hang by a thread. 
I do not know whether it is a thread or a small rope by which it now hangs, but I do know that whether it shall live or die is now in the balance. Now that was, you know, the, the, all of these crises are coming up, you know, and that was how many years ago? During World War II, I guess. Oh, World War II. And, and, you know, people would sure. think that with the terror that was going right, on. Right. So we see again the phrase hanging by a thread, he calls it a rope maybe, <laughs> identifies that it's a white horse prophecy he's referring to. Speaking in General Conference in 1961, several years after that, future Mormon President Ezra Taft Benson said this. Yeah, in connection with attack on the United States, the Lord told the prophet Joseph Smith there would be an attempt to overthrow the country by destroying the Constitution. Joseph Smith predicted that the time would come when the Constitution would hang, as it were, by a thread, and at that time, this people will step forth and save it from the threatened destruction. So again, it's the Mormon people that's going to come forward and save this country. That's right. So why did the LDS leaders refer to any part of the prophecy if they decided that Joseph Smith never gave the prophecy? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> did they ever quote it? Do you remember quoting it when you were growing oh. up or just that you knew about it? Well, I, I mean, I just I would hear this conference talk. Uh, Ezra Taft Benson or someone else give a talk and talk about the Constitution being, would hang by a thread. And we talked about that in priesthood meetings and so on. You know, mm -hmm. it was, I mean, it was just kind of a, an assumption. We didn't know when it was going to happen, but. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. You, did you? We you, heard about it a lot, yeah. yeah we heard you? about it a lot. Of course, it was going to be us that was going to step forward and, <laughs> and, and fix it. Well, and that's, that's, Glenn Beck referred to it as, yeah. at one time. Why did he refer to the Constitution hanging by a thread if it wasn't a prophecy? If, if it wasn't a yeah. prophecy. Yeah. So either Joseph Smith gave it or he didn't give it. They, they, they shouldn't think that they can have it both ways. That's right. uh, denying that he ever gave the prophecy on the one hand and then quoting parts of it when it's convenient for their purposes. One apologist said that he didn't think the white horse prophecy is fair to bring up at all, that it's been rejected by every church leader that has talked about it, that it has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> that's that's an apolo what an apologist gets paid for to say <laughs> stuff like <laughs> that. Even stuff that. It doesn't make good. any sense. <laughs> We've clearly shown through the quotes that we've used that it hasn't been rejected by every oh. church leader, and many have quoted parts of it, more particularly the hanging by a thread. More recently, with Senator Hatch retiring and Romney running for Senate in Utah, a recent article said this. Many of the Mormon Rom <clears throat> excuse me, many of the Mormon Romney backers I spoke to talked about his call to public service in spiritual terms, with some even making half-joking references to White Horse Prophecy, a bit of apocryphal LDS folk doctrine that predicts the U.S. Constitution will one day hang by a thread and the Mormons will have to save it. If Romney does this, he gets to ride around on a white horse for a while, said one Utah Republican. Maybe it really is hanging by a thread. <laughs> now, now this, is, this is contemporary right now because we just learned that Romney is running for Senator Hatch's seat in Congress. Huh? Now, we're, we can't s sit here and say <laughs> yay or nay or anything about that, only what's going on. And in, in the fact that it is going on and that quotes have been made, not only about Hatch, but about Romney, that they might be one of the other 
the hatch was thought to have been the one that would uh, rescue the United States, and it didn't happen. So mm -hmm. now it's Romney's turn to come and, <laughs> and take his place in case it does happen. Well, an interesting part, part of that is that there, there was always some talk about uh, Hatch or someone uh, Mormon getting on the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. That they mm -hmm. would be part of I've that. I've heard that too, yeah. And they would be the ones that would sway opinion and, and maybe have, a, a, if not president, certainly more influence on a Supreme Court than mm -hmm. they would maybe and just that would even be a, being a senator. that would be a very influential place for right. one to be yeah. as well. And so we can rightly conclude that the White Horse prophecy is ingrained in Mormon thought. Mormon conference speakers have quoted it. Mormon presidents have referred to it. And Mormon polygamists consider it as being valid. So it is something that they consider and are familiar with. We quote from utlm.org. Most Mormons are unaware of their past leaders' statements about the prophecy, but the concept that the Constitution will one day hang by a thread and be saved by a Mormon elder seems to be well ingrained in their thinking. And, and I think we've true. proven that in yes. our quotes. In fact, on the UTLM website, and you should go there and look at this, which is where we get our last quote from, at the bottom of the page are several quotes from Mormon scholars, presidents, apostles, conference talks, doctrinal statements from official LDS sources who have quoted from the White Horse Prophecy. And Bill McKeever said this on the MRM.org website. <laughs> Modern Mormons tend to ignore the more bizarre apocalyptic language of the White Horse prophecy. The context of the hang by a thread phrase has been jettisoned, but the phrase itself has not. How, men, how each Mormon politician views his or herself as the fulfillment of this prediction must be judged on a case-to-case case -case basis. However, there can be no denying that to many Latter-day Saints, Smith's prediction is taken very seriously and is very much a part of the Mormon political landscape. No denying that. No denying no. that. And make no mistake about it, Joseph Smith is the prophet of Mormon polygamy groups too. He is as revered among the polygamists as he is among the mainline LDS machine. Maybe even more so if that's possible. Yeah. And they do believe that Joseph Smith gave the White Horse prophecy that it is valid and that each group believes the ultimate fulfillment will be their particular advantage. And on these prophecies that have failed, the 56 years and the 1891 things and all that, they just, I, I'm trying to think what I thought of those. And I, I guess I just thought, well, he didn't live and he did die, so he didn't live until he was 85, so that eliminated that prophecy, I guess, and <laughs> I, I don't know, we just... We just don't worry just, about how, how out of context we, yeah. we take Yeah, and that's stuff. just it. You don't worry about it. You yeah. put it on your shelf, you know, yeah. eventually it breaks, but, but hopefully. But, yeah, they, they just don't, they don't go there and look at the details. And I know there's a lot of apologetics about his false prophecies, but even they are conjectures and, yeah. and even some false comments made about it. Well, so that's the Whitehorn prophecy of Joseph Smith. Go to the websites that we gave you, the link on the screen at the beginning of part one, and read more about it. And again, I want to thank you, Earl, for oh, sharing yeah. this with it's us and helping um, with all that we do here. You know, we can and should judge every person who claims to be a prophet of God, especially when they make predictions for the future. God gave us brains and he expects us to use them. He gave us guidelines on how to test prophets and prophetic messages, which is that if anything the prophet says doesn't happen, he is a false prophet.
That's pretty simple. <laughs> Joseph Smith gave over 50 false prophecies, but it only takes one false prophecy to prove the prophet is a fake. Jesus Christ is the person who fulfilled the duties of Old Testament offices. Jesus is our only prophet, our only priest, and he is the king. Therefore, if we want to know the knowable future, just read what Jesus said. From Matthew to the book of Revelation, it will give you more information than you'll ever learn from Joseph Smith. Thanks for watching. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.